ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. College Football Tailgates, back once again, every week, every Tuesday. Today is Monday, August 9th. We're back in the studio here. Woo Studio, I got Tyler Walgy with me as always. And I might. We got producer Smitty. What's up, Will? And uh, boys, we are now, let's see, we're less than three weeks away from college football. Yes. We're there. We're, we're there. basically there. I mean, three weeks. I, uh, That's nothing. I, no, I, I spent uh, three weeks in Nebraska one night. Ah. <laughs> but you can't hear it on the mic, but I'm slapping my knee. Speaking of Nebraska, <laughs> Scott Frost, one, we're going to talk some coaches today. Yes. Maybe the most overrated coach in the nation, and that has nothing to do with my hate of Nebraska. Scott Ross is extremely overrated. I'm sure it has something to do with your hate <laughs> of Nebraska, but maybe a fair point. And you're right. We are going to get it. Tyler's got his top 25 coaches in college football uh we're going to talk some college football news of course we're going to break down we're starting to get into our conference breakdowns um for this year and so today we're going to be breaking down the big 12 and the pac 12 basically what that means is we're going to go you know we're going to give who we think is going to win the conference some dark horse stuff talk about some exciting players and then we're going to end with a uh playoff four we've done this segment before basically it's uh we rank it's like a college football playoff we just rank our top four of whatever and uh today we're ranking the most satisfying feelings on earth mm. as hmm. a caveat no this does not include sex or drugs yeah i, I was wondering what were you going through personally <laughs> when you put together the show outline mm, a great question we're and gonna make a list for the most satisfying it's just a weird way to put it right yeah right. maybe maybe the your four most uh, exciting moments in life for the four no 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 most no, no. satisfying it's, it's not even a moment it's a it's oh, a Ryan, thing right saxophone ready back there <laughs> now i can't i can't tell you what it is because that'll give away one of my top four but basically this happened to me the other night and i was like oh that's like easily one of the most satisfying feelings on earth does yours have to do with food uh none of mine do no mm. but that's the beauty of this list is it can go anywhere and i'm really excited to see what you guys have for this so we're going to end the show with that so i'm excited um but we do need to lead off with some college football news and right now none bigger than the passing of bobby bowden florida state legendary coach um sad day for all the seminal fans out there and i mean just an iconic guy in the world of college football you know he really built florida state into the program we know it as today florida state wasn't a football school before Bowden got there um, and, and it's just you know you can you can read all the stuff online but it, I mean the stats of the dominance that he had when he, when he was there was truly incredible basically over a you know he, he coached there for 34 years but there was a 14-year uh, period from 1987 to 2000 where the FSU finished ranked in the top five every single year for 14 straight years. And that's years. when the SEC was humming, man. All the best players weren't necessarily... I was going to the... The ACC, you mean? The, S, the ACC. Yeah. All the best players weren't necessarily going to the SEC all the time. The yeah. SEC was tough back yeah, there. exactly. Miami was playing well. I mean, remember that rivalry, Florida State-Miami? All the Massive. all you kids out there... <laughs> and seriously, I mean, I, I think yeah. a lot of our audience is, is, is younger. Go watch on YouTube. Those old Florida State-Miami matchups, seriously. those were uh, unbelievable. Yeah, and like the, both those schools were... At, you know, you know they were just different back then they were more kind of like what we picture the alabamas the clemsons the ohio states you know that's what those programs were and and bobby bowden was you know completely responsible for that for florida state and i mean in those same 14 years right so top five every year they only lost 19 games in 14 years two <laughs> national so championships and they went on an 11 year bowl victory streak which is crazy especially back then when bowls you know, were super important. It's not like what they are now to win, to go 11 straight years with a, you know, a bowl game. He had some Heisman winners in there, a lot of legendary players. It, you know, 
it's just a passing of a college football great. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who's uh, third, or I, I think he's second uh, all time in official wins, but third if you count Joe Paterno's wins. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're not going to touch that. Um, but well, that's not what Joe Paterno said. <laughs> that's not what uh, Sandusky said. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe, maybe edit that one out. We'll see. We'll bleep it out. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So, look, uh, to me, like what what Bobby Bowden represents is like maybe the last of that, what that generation of, you know, head coaches were, where they are bigger than, like you know, they're like gods walking on campus. Yeah. And I don't know that we'll see another one like that where he was coaching for so long. You know, at one school for 34 years seems like something that would be impossible in, in today's college football yeah, landscape. You, you just don't see the tenure anymore. No. And he even got pushed out at the end there and wanted to stay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he wasn't winning as much. But, you know, he was just iconic for decades. You know, the fact that we're in our 30s and we still remember him. And, you know, the majority of his heyday was before, you know, uh, we were when we were still kids. And so, you know, he's just iconic. I don't think we'll, that we'll see many more coaches like that. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a sad day for Florida State fans. Yeah, I mean, sure. this is what happens when you get the right coach in the right program. They they can do great things. And I think if you know, Nick Saban in Alabama, Dabo Sweeney, Clemson, you're going to see, I think, them there for the rest of their careers probably. Yeah. Um, unless Dabo bolts for, for maybe Alabama. Alabama yeah, would maybe. be the only place I think he'd go. But th- this is what greatness looks like. And I think... It's so funny. Across the country, all these different schools, everybody wants it. And it always comes down to not everyone can have it. So set your expectations accordingly. When you get a Bobby Bowden out of Florida State, just enjoy the ride, you know? Yep. I, I was reading this year about uh, uh, Kirby Smart, one of the better coaches in the country. It's like, well, the seat's getting hot for him to beat Alabama. Not his hot seat. He's on the hot seat. Right. But fans are getting anxious because he hadn't, hasn't beat Bama yet. It's like... If that's your expectation, Seriously. you're always going to be disappointed. So when you get a coach like Saban, when you get a coach like uh, Bobby Bowden, sometimes you just do your best because these guys are great. And you're right. He exemplifies greatness. The college football world is certainly missing him, and uh, we lost a great one. For sure. Dad Gummit. You know, that was Dad his thing. Dad Gummit. He'd say, Dad Gum, Dad Gummit. I loved He had, like, such a Dad funny Gum. laugh and, a, like, an iconic accent, that southern accent that, oh, yeah. like, to me, like, embodies college football. You know, and he was kind of the first, especially in that era, a lot of those coaches were like, you know, tyrants where they like ruled, you know, with a, with an iron fist and they were scary and screamers. He was kind of the first guy that was like a player's coach. Yeah. Uh, everyone talks about him just being like a charmer and really sweet. He wasn't like a screamer. He was calm, had a calm demeanor on the sidelines. And he was kind of the first of that. Most of the coaches, you know, on that level back then were like, you know, you see videos of like Woody Hayes and. Uh, you know, all those other guys that were that would just be losing their mind, you know, yeah. on the sidelines. So. It was fun to play for him. And remember, for a while, I believe this is correct. For a while, Jimbo Fisher was on that staff, right? Um, Jimbo Fisher was yes. under, under Bobby Bowden for a while and then got promoted. And that's one of the rare times that's ever worked. Ryan Day at Ohio State's doing it. Right. But historically, that never went too well. When you have some great coach just simmering in the background, it happened there exactly. at Florida State. And you've got to give Bobby Bowden some of that credit. You know, Jimbo Fisher watched him, observed, learned a lot. And uh, I think that, you know, he had some comments uh, the other day about Bobby, or whenever it was today, the other day about Bobby Bowden. Yeah. And uh, couldn't have been more... Uh, you know, gracious and honest about what a good uh, role model he was for him. For so. sure. And yeah, I mean, that was kind of a, uh, you know, that wasn't, that was kind of a rocky relationship there at the end because Bowden it was, didn't want to give it up. It was. But they, Florida State knew that if they didn't force him out, 
that Jimbo Fisher might go elsewhere, and they, he was the heir apparent. Right. And you're right. That usually doesn't go very well. That happened once, too, at West Virginia with Rich Rodriguez. Exactly. And the guy he was replacing, and that went messy. And so, you know, obviously, I'm sure there's still a ton of respect, or there was a ton of respect between those guys, but um, kind of a messy ending there at Florida State for Bowden, but... Still just, I mean, an, an absolute legend. He's got the statue there. Yeah. That's like the sign. Once you get a statue, boom, you're good. Unless you're Nick Foles, and that's kind of a fluke. But Nick Foles way. has a statue? In Philadelphia from the Super Bowl. Oh, yes. You're right. I mean, the backup that won the National, or the, the Super Bowl, though, I mean, he can't, you know, he gets hey, one. Hey. I know he's not very good now. You're making all our uh, fans in Tucson, Arizona pretty happy with that. So <laughs> That was a championship-starved place there, obviously. <laughs> all true. right. They get a ship and they, uh, <laughs> yeah. But either way, Bobby Bowden, he's uh, he's a go- uh, he's in the GOAT consideration, right? We yeah, absolutely. Talk about him and he's in the conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and now, I, like, I wonder if this could, a lot of times when you have, like, a legendary death in the program like that, sometimes it helps propel the football team. Well, hold team. on. Let's, let, let's not misidentify what's going to happen this year. I think <laughs> death or not, Florida State was one of my more improved as ACC teams. Absolutely. And I don't think we're going to talk ACC today, but... Floor, the ACC's got a couple teams. Just to give a preview, are we going to do it next week maybe? Yeah, next week will be uh, Just ACC a, Big Ten. A preview. Obviously, Clemson is, is winning the ACC, or at least a lot of people have them winning. There's a couple teams that are going to be really good, or at least compared to where people think they should be this year. Florida State, now, they're going to be better than a lot of people think. I, I have them maybe eight, nine wins. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe good, that's yeah. generous. Maybe, maybe eight wins. Still and then well. North Carolina State. They're bringing back the uh, again. We're not going to get too much into it. They're bringing back 19 starters. Wow. They went seven and three last year, and they were negative 34 yards per game against their opponents. So bringing back a lot. And if you look at a team who should bounce back, just given statistics, North Carolina State may surprise a lot of people. Only reason why it's a question mark with them is they've got a tough schedule. But uh, I'm just ready for to talk Tyler's any in football. The right? Dude, he's ready. <laughs> exactly, I love it. Man. Well, we're definitely going to get to uh, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 later. Only a few more little news and notes. Here, did you guys see the thing with Lane Kiffin um, at uh, Oh boy, and an interview? First of all, I love Lane Kiffin. He's turned me into an Ole Miss fan like overnight. Yeah, Lane, and uh, and he said that uh, basically he came out and said he lost thirty pounds in the off season, and he basically said that he told his players that it was because he couldn't preach accountability to them about eating clean and working out when he I believe these were his quotes that he looked like a fat cow and then I know one quote he said he ended up saying that he saw a picture a picture of him at last year's bowl game and he said he looked like uh, I'm paraphrasing here he said he looked like an anaconda an anaconda that swallowed a deer and <laughs> and uh, it got stuck in its throat well first of all those those nature videos of Fantastic. anacondas eating stuff it's really cool fascinating and you can just like see the outline of the creature mm-hmm. now, I've always been afraid if I was the creature being eaten because they're alive at first when, when the snake is eating them right they like wrap them up and then so you're alive being digested in the stomach of a snake. It's a rough go. That can't be a good way to finish things <laughs> Definitely up. Not. Definitely Oof. not. No, yeah, that wouldn't be enjoyable at all. No, it's like choking on a Jolly Rancher. I mean, maybe not the <laughs> worst way to go out. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, well, we'll get to that story one day. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe not the worst way to go out, though. You know what? We might have to end up doing a uh, on another show a playoff top four of ways to die. Mm, okay. <laughs> like, uh, not like, ooh, I want to go out, you know, surrounded by my family, but like cool, crazy ways to go out. Let's not get dark with it. In an anaconda <laughs> would be kind of <laughs> tight. I mean, I know that wouldn't anaconda. be enjoyable, but better than some ways. I think fighting 
a machine. Like if it's like Terminator, <laughs> you go down fighting a <laughs> winning or you're losing. Obviously, if you're dying, I mean, you want to be maybe beaten, it's like you want to be beat to death. You by both it. hit each other at the same time and beat to death by early nineties Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. Robocop. John Connor. Robocop's gonna shoot you. Come with me if you want to leave. Well, uh, Lane Kiffin's skinny, so he's just gonna go right back to looking like Daniel Tosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it is. Smoke weed, talk shit like Lane Kiffin. <laughs> exactly. You kind of look like Daniel Tosh. Oh, uh, what? You really? really? Yeah, I think you really look like Daniel Tosh. If any my, come on, Ryan, back me up here. Of well, anyone okay, I know, uh, you look the most Daniel Tosh. The only reason why I react that way is because he has like blonde hair. He's, he has light hair, and I have dark hair. But I maybe fa- I mean I don't know. I've never heard that before. You certainly life. don't have his sense of humor. But I mean, that, you look like. Oh, come on, Tyler. <laughs> That's just mean. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We might, I don't know who our doppelgangers would be. Well, mine, uh, I think it's clear. It's either Brad Pitt or uh, Don Cheadle. Mm. We decided that last week. <laughs> I, think, I think you the hit, the, uh, hit the nail on the head when you called me Big Ben. Yeah, yeah Ryan's you know got some Big he Ben did. vibes. Well, you got the same like beard, you know. Yeah. Um, you got a huge head. Huge he, head. Ryan, Ryan is it's actually... True. He's got a bigger schnoz, though. You're, you're better looking than him. Not to combine nice. these two podcasts, though, because they're actually in the same podcast, but do you guys listen to Two Bears, One Cave with Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer? I've listened yeah. to it a few times, yeah. You kind of look like a blend of them, like if they had a gay kid. <laughs> yeah. That's what you'd look like. <laughs> Wait, they're gay or I'm the No, if they would be gay, they, gay. They, they, they're gay and you're, you're the offspring. Okay. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for the clarification. Ryan's the product of uh, baby fucking. Ryan's the first. <laughs> Ryan's the very first child born from two men. Um, <laughs> Have you guys ever seen uh, what's the movie with James Frank? Oh, Pineapple Express. Yeah. And he's describing the type of weed they're about to smoke. He's like, "This is if the if, they if the purple Kush, you know, met the you know Hawaii Maui, you know Maui Maui, and, and they had a baby and fucked, you know." <laughs> You know, and for this a is guy the from smoking, he's like, "Oh, this is the product of baby fucking." <laughs> for a uh, guy from the Denver area, you really struggled to name some weed. Yeah, didn't I? <laughs> I know. What's the most popular one? Northern Lights. That's always the one I heard about growing up. Yeah, did. Oh, yeah. it was New York Diesel. Was always the one that I heard what? about. The D- yeah, New York Diesel. That was like who you're I, getting your Will's fancy over here. Got a I was high climb from an uh, East Coast Italian. New York guy. Diesel. You sure we're filling your <laughs> tank up? <laughs> Italian. Guy. Yeah, nice Italian. Oh god. Um, all right, moving on. Wait, before we move on, yeah, okay. I have one more quick insertion. So we mentioned <laughs> th- <laughs> this isn't the satisfying, of, very satisfying poor choice of words. Today. Um, we mentioned the Florida State Miami rivalries in the '90s. Yeah, how great those were. What's the best rivalry today in terms of talent? Best team against best team. It's not. A, is it Ohio State, Michigan? Is it Auburn, Alabama? Is it? Do we have any prime time premier just, top ten just matchups every talent? single year? Just talent wise, like like a rankings matchup. Alabama, LSU. Maybe, but yeah, you know, LSU. I mean, they're they're they rivals, are. but not like. I mean, if you're thinking like traditional rivals, like would it be Oklahoma State, Oklahoma? Maybe Notre Dame, uh, USC. Maybe Notre we Dame, don't USC's. have a rivalry today that's always top ten every year. Like we had for for. I mean, there's always been that. Even yeah. if it, you know, it was Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, yeah. Alabama, there isn't one today. I is mean, there? Florida, Am Georgia is probably pretty loaded. But I mean, honestly, it still probably would be Auburn, you know Alabama. That'd be my guess. Either Auburn, Alabama, or Florida, Georgia. I think you were onto something there too. Yeah. You know, depending on how good uh, that SEC Georgia's speed, this year. man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's always but, talks about that SEC speed. That is interesting. That there's not some premier I mean, rivalry yeah. that exists today that, that there has been for a vast majority of the history of college football. I mean, if it's just talent, like recruiting talent, or if it's like talent that goes to the NFL. Uh, I mean, gosh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. I, it would. I, I think it would. It would end up being. Probably in the in the SEC though. I think so too. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, we need more better rivalries. In we need football. more. Um, 
All right. Uh, the Arizona State investigation is heating up. Now, we talked about this last week. Oh, hey, no, you totally missed an opportunity. In Sun Devil's country, <laughs> word is things are heating up. Uh, Come on, Will. See, this is why you're so good at, at, at the headlines uh, segment. Like, Tyler, really, you really should have a job for a newspaper just writing right? headlines. It's the headline guy. It's true. You're like, yeah. it, it's a. It's a rare talent, and you, you legitimately have it. Well, there you go. I, I just gave you the I opening don't think in that way. Her. Well, but, things are heating up. It's getting crazy. Look, uh, Arizona State had already put their tight end coach on leave uh, amid this investigation, and obviously the timing for this is horrible. They're right in the middle of fall camp. Now it comes out just today that their wide receiver coach and their defensive back coach also on leave. This <laughs> oh, is God. this is getting bad. And will it get all the way to Herm Edwards? I don't know. All the signs are pointing to like. At some point, like middle of the season, this could go really bad for Arizona State. They could lose. Why middle a, of the season? Is that the point where they'd reach the investigation tour? We get yes. back. Yes, and the NCAA just announced last week. You know, in the past, these NCAA investigations could take like you know a year and a half. Like it, it would take forever to wrap up these investigations. And they basically came out and said, "We're going to start expediting the uh, our, our investigations. We want to make them happen quicker." Um, and you know, some people were saying that that. By the end of the season, we could have an entirely different coaching staff at Arizona State, wow. um, which could have huge effects. We're talking about a team. We're going to talk about the Pac-12 later, but a lot of people are picking them to be a favorite out of the Pac-12 South, maybe to win the Pac-12. Um, I didn't realize for the playoff. I didn't realize this was such a big deal. It's, I mean, yeah, I it's got huge. the idea that they were recruiting when they shouldn't have been, but I guess the other coaches making a big deal about it has brought on more attention. You know? Well, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's definitely gone uh, under the radar because I, I, yeah. I didn't even know until last week when you said something about it. Will. Well, well, it was. Ba- it's basically just you know the other coaches only came out and said stuff because it it kind of feels like this really is just like brazen uh, like rule breaking. I mean, it's not just that they were bringing in recruits when they weren't supposed to. It's that like it was during COVID. You're not supposed to have any in person meeting. They're literally sneaking players' families into the. Uh, facilities, giving them tours, having them like stay in secret places. And then apparently it even continued past the dead period. And so this is basically them just saying, you know, we think we can get away with whatever. And I think the, um, you know, I don't know how this got out, but my guess would be if you recruit a player that ends up not going to your school and you're breaking the rules during the recruiting process and he goes to a conference rival or something like that, that's probably how things leak out if I had to guess. But, you know, this is, this is looking bad for Herm Edwards which is really disappointing because, you know, you talked about it last week. He's had such a great start there at Arizona State. He's brought Arizona State football back to being, you know, a really tough uh, football team. Yeah. And we're going to see what happens, but shit is getting really hot for them. I mean, like I said, I didn't realize it was such a big deal, but we're going to have to keep our eye on this because, you know, just from a betting standpoint, for sure, Arizona State, you know, they may be overpriced, they may be underpriced. I mean, it's always interesting because... If there's no adjustment, clearly I could say, you know, we could say they're uh, overvalued, you know, but if there's too much of an adjustment, now you may have some value on Arizona State. So just keeping your eye on the market and being able to, yeah, you know, keep track of that stuff is important. So. I mean, that's hard to judge too. I mean, how do you, it's kind of unprecedented to have multiple coordinators and position coaches, yeah. you know, and if it goes as high as the defensive coordinator, or the head coach, I mean, at that point, what happens? What do the players do? Do they all just mm-hmm. like transfer out or what? But you mentioned how do you identify that? Uh, you luckily enough, there's games out right now where you can see Arizona against other teams during the season. Yep. So you go to those futures games and see what the price is after all this settles, and if there's an adjustment, let's say Arizona State is a ten point favorite against Colorado, 
And after everything's said and done, they're a seven-point favorite. We can say, okay, the market downgraded them three points based on this. So that's how you kind of have an idea of how big of a deal the market thinks it is. Yep. So. Yeah, true that. Well, staying with coaching news, uh, Kirby Smart announced that uh, the Georgia strength and conditioning coach, Scott Cochran, he's taking a leave of absence for health purposes, possibly mental health, you know, stuff. It's kind of vague. No one really knows what's happening. The reason why this is significant is because if, if you don't follow college football really closely, one thing that can go under the radar for you is that strength and conditioning coaches have such a massive effect on the success of a football team. You know, most people just think about coordinators and head coaches and, and whatnot, but the strength and conditioning coach is the only guy who gets to be with these players basically between spring and fall camp. The, the head coaches, the coordinators, they don't get practice time with these guys. They're not allowed to have on-field practice. The strength and conditioning coach is the one working out with them, uh, going through drills with them, and you've, you know that uh, they're important because this guy, Scott Cochran, he came over from – it was actually kind of a big deal when Kirby Smart pulled him away from Alabama. This was Saban's guy. He had been Saban's strength and conditioning coach for years at Alabama. Uh, Kirby Smart somehow finds a way to pull him out of Tuscaloosa, get him over to Georgia. Everyone's saying – this is going to be a huge deal now for Georgia. And now we don't really know what's happening. If it's going to be a permanent thing, you know, now it's heading into fall camp, but these guys are important throughout the season too. It's not just in the off season. And so that, that could have a big effect on Georgia this year, moving forward. Um, hopefully, you know, everything's okay with him, obviously. Uh, but if you're a Georgia fan, you know, this is a little concerning, I think, especially in a year where a lot of people are picking Georgia to come out of the SEC East and and compete with Alabama. Uh, I don't know if it's that concerning. I mean, look, I agree with you fully that to the average fan, the strength and conditioning coach is really overlooked. You know, I think yeah. I think if you interview the average college football fan uh, or the average you know fan at any given stadium, most people would say, yeah, I mean, how you know how important is there to success to to you know winning during yeah. the season? Most people would probably say not very successful or not very important. So I agree with that. They're important. They have a lot to do with the team. But for Georgia, they've got such a great staff around this guy. And I mean, I just I wonder this: if their most important time of the year for the strength and conditioning coach is the off season because they're one of the only ones with access to the team. Well, we're past that point now. We're to the regular season to where they yeah. can, I don't know, are they so, so much less involved? Because they're not doing a lot of strength during the year, right? They may be doing like a little bit of weights here or there, but during the, the week, they're not doing heavy lifting or maxing or things like that. Right. So my, you know, I wonder how much of an impact is it going to be? I don't know right now. So this is tough. You know, I, I, I've never done... You know how much is a strength coach worth to a team? Half a point, maybe. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You're saying yeah, it tongue I'm in kidding, cheek, but, but I, don't I don't know either. Yeah. Like, like, because here's the thing: if we can agree it means something, then it's got to be worth something. But is it a tenth of a point? Is it a point? Is right. it? Is it a thousandth of a point? Because you can quantify it somehow. But you know, I, I just don't think it's going to hurt Georgia that much. They're yeah. going to get used to it. I think they're going to be fine. I mean, let me ask you. You know, I mean, what would you adjust their season win total? based on this uh no i wouldn't i mean the only th the only thing that would worry me about this is that if he is gone for the whole season and you lose a guy of his caliber who a lot of people regard as the best strength and conditioning coach in the country is where i think it could affect is is maybe if if conditioning is off you could see more uh injured players throughout the season than that uh, at that point right. affects games well, that, that's a point good point. spreads if there's a rippling effect that may be something now like i'm sure this scott cochran guy isn't by himself he has a staff of his own i'm sure that work underneath him and those people are presumably still there 
Um, but I don't know. I mean, maybe he's the guy injecting the steroids. Who knows? What do you think would uh, What <laughs> do you think kidding. would happen? Just to kidding, our, Georgia fans. <laughs> what do you think would happen to our combine results if we got a strength and conditioning coach in here for tailgate? How much time does he have to work with us? He or she? All year, all year, yeah, all year until next year's combine because we're doing one every season. All right? year. Or how about this? How about oh, yeah. we each get our own and we find out who's really best? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I honestly, if we got a year to work out with, you know, a few times a week, a strength and conditioning coach, what would they, I, I honestly think our numbers would be a, a oh, way for sure. better. What would they yeah. have said, though, at this year's combine? What would they have said watching us run the 40 or... No. They well, first of all, those I people can't help are like guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, out of my those guys see us as like a like a, a project. Uh-huh. They'd be like, oh, this these people are disgusting. They're so unathletic. <laughs> we can turn them around, you know. Yeah, I could probably uh, you know get under five five flat. <laughs> <laughs> should, I, should I save that one for next year? Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, we we could do so much better just training by ourselves if we had professional <laughs> help. We were so goddamn lazy, all yeah, the three of us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, you know, we're we're I was wondering going. We're in the week. the film room. We're breaking down tape all the time. You can't expect us to be able to you know stay up like a professional athlete. Yeah, breaking down tape. Uh, that's all we got on college football news. So now what we'll do is we'll move into our conference breakdowns. So today we're doing the Big 12 and the Pac-12. We mentioned it before. Next week we're going to do the ACC and the Big 10. And the following week we're going to, you know, we're going to do a big chunk on the SEC. Um, and so we're going to start with the Big 12. Basically how this is going to work, uh, Tyler and I, Smitty too, if you, if, if you brought stuff, we're going to basically pick uh, who we think is going to, what, who is going to win the conference, who will be in the championship game, uh, maybe a dark horse team, and then kind of talk about some of the more exciting players, storylines, whatever it is that you've got. And so, uh, Tyler, th- I think that these could get contentious. If I'm being, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. If we're looking at history, is any indication? I, yes, exactly. So we'll start with the Big Twelve, and uh, I'll just I'll start with this one. Uh, obviously, this isn't going to be any big surprise. I I think this one is going to come down to Oklahoma and I- Iowa State again, right? Both teams were the dominant teams in last year's Big Twelve. They both, you know, these are the two teams that played in the Big 12 championship game last year. Uh, Iowa State took them down earlier in the season, uh, regular season, and then Oklahoma gets the uh, revenge and they win the Big 12. This year, look, Tyler and I have gone like so many rounds. We're going to continue to go rounds on Matt Campbell and Iowa State, <laughs> and uh, and we're, we're just like diametrically opposed on that, which I love. And that's why it pains me even more to say that I, this is Oklahoma's year. I do think they're going to win the Big 12. Um, I do think the game will come down to them as well. Uh, excuse me, to both those teams again. But Oklahoma, too much power on offense. I think they actually might have a like a legitimate championship level defense for once. The schedule's very favorable. You know, they get Nebraska, West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State all at home. Um, you know, at Oklahoma State to finish the season is really their only tough road game. And so the Sooners are my pick to win the Big 12. Yeah, Sooners are my pick also. What are they, like minus 500 in Vegas? Yeah. I mean, they're a huge favorite. Favorite. Yeah, exactly. But I, I want to put this out there for our new listeners because you'll hear us talk about Matt Campbell a lot this year. <laughs> my, I don't have an inherent issue with Matt Campbell. I have a problem <laughs> with how great everyone wants to claim Matt Campbell is. Everyone in the country wants to put him in the category with Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, uh, along the upper echelon of head coaches. As a matter of fact, every year when there's the whole NFL talk, who's the next coach who's going to take? Oh, Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell. And I'm sitting here going, wait a minute. He's won eight games a couple years with Iowa State. What, what did he max out at nine? I mean, he's taken an average program and made them above average. Yeah, I've got it right here. They've, uh, I thought he had a 10-win season. 
Let's see. Iowa State, last couple years, nine and three, seven and six, eight and five, eight and five. Okay. Okay. So nine was the max. I don't know if they've ever had a double digit win season. And so Matt Campbell finally wins a couple games with an average program, and everyone wants to crown him one of the better coaches in college football. Mm-hmm. I think that that's absurd. And so that's my whole thing. I just, I see the, I see the Matt Campbell love all, all across the nation. And I feel like I'm the only voice of reason here. So I'm going to keep it going. Not that this guy's terrible. I think he's one of the better coaches in the Big 12. We'll, co- we'll talk coach rankings today. He's up there. But is he one of the better coaches in the nation? No. Is Iowa State a contender to win the Big 12? Absolutely not. I don't think they're going to be the second best team this year. As a matter of fact, the only reason why they may be in that contention is because their record is bullshit. I mean, they have such an easy record. They open up with their Northern schedule, Iowa. you mean? Yeah, that's what I meant. Their schedule. Thank yeah. you. Uh, they've got Northern Iowa and UNLV outside their Iowa game. And then they've got Oklahoma State at home. They've got Texas at home. They should win this season. If they don't win nine games, Matt Campbell's incompetent. And once again, end of the year, we're going to hear his name out there again. So I just think the guy's overrated. Everyone wants to suck his dick. It's like, hold on. Let's <laughs> pump the brakes real quick and be accurate. So he's a good coach. I understand that. Is he as great as everyone thinks? Absolutely not. So uh, I've got Oklahoma winning. And who I think they'll play in the uh, championship, I think they'll play Texas. Mm. I think Steve Sarkeesian coming to Texas is going to do a lot for that program. And remember, Sarkeesian, he's had some really big-time jobs, and he's never really floundered out of those jobs. He had alcohol problems with with USC, got fired. You know, it's always been personal stuff with Sarkeesian. If he's gotten over that hump and he can run a program, look out. Texas could hit the ground running with him. It's not like they have a bad team. So I'll take OU and Texas. I think Iowa State will be in the conversation, but I'll take uh, OU Texas in the Big 12 championship. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, we've gone over it a million times. The only thing I would say is that you know, I would push back on the idea that Iowa State isn't in contention when you know they played in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah, maybe last that year. was hyperbole that they're completely out of it. But it's one thing, and this is my my whole my whole thing with national championship contenders too. You're either a national championship serious contender or you're not. And it's the same no thing doubt. with Ohio State. I'm reading Phil Steele's book right here, and Phil Steele, probably the smartest guy in my opinion, <clears throat> the smartest guy who's not a pro better evaluating college football on a, on a public basis for sure. And he says right here in his preview this year, Matt Campbell's done a remarkable job as he's made the Cyclones a legitimate national title contender in 2021. Well, Will, I have my legitimate title contenders list. I can read it today. I can save it for another show. But I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten? There's ten teams in the country who have a legitimate shot to win the title. And I'm talking make the final 12 and beat teams like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. If you can't beat Alabama in a championship game, I don't think you have a legitimate shot to win the title. So I've got 10 teams. Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. This is in no particular order. Sure. Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Florida, Washington. Okay, perfect. I'm so glad that you said Notre Dame because we've seen Notre Dame get to that and not be in contention even remotely year after year after year. And so maybe how can how can you put Notre Dame on that list and not Iowa State when they're basically, I agree, if Iowa State gets to the playoff, Alabama's beca- going to beat the shit out of them. It's because the coach. If Brian <laughs> Kelly and Matt Campbell have the exact same team playing Alabama, I will 10 times out of 10 take Brian Kelly's team. And you're right. Maybe they're my fringe team, and maybe it's a little overzealous putting them in there because you're right, Will. We have evidence. We can say, look at these last couple times, and they haven't been there. So maybe I was a little overzealous with Notre Dame, but 
I think there's a huge gap between Brian Kelly and Matt Campbell. So with the coaches there, I'll take a Brian Kelly coach team all, all, every time. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, look, we're, we're going to... And I'll update this every week. This is a fluid list. This isn't going to stay stagnant. Every week, fluid. I'll have this updated. Fluid so. list, fluid hips over here. <laughs> I got the fluid hips. I'm a cornerback. Um, yeah, no, look, I love it. I... I I don't think there's a massive difference in what we're saying, to be quite honest no, dude. with you. And, and, and there's going to be some people listening who side with you. There's going to be some who side with a me. Lot, but the great me. thing about this <laughs> is if we disagree, that's why the bet board exists. That's why at the end of the day. And why, I mean, we're going to see Iowa State play Oklahoma this year. Yes. We, we get to see him play a lot. So. Yes, we do. Um, all right, Dark Horse team. You mentioned that you think Texas is going to be in the Big 12 championship. I, I think that they're more of a dark horse team for me. And the reason why is this. Like, honestly, I think TCU might have a better shot at getting to the Big 12 TCU's championship TCU's got game. some players this year, They man. do. They got a lot of starters coming back. They got Max Duggan, the quarterback. You know, my only issue with TCU on a general thing is that, you know, I just don't really trust. They have Christian in their name. No. You're, you're, you're against a, that. No way. Not at oh, all. Okay. Um, uh, but... but uh, <laughs> No, look, I I made Ryan choke on his water. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that I just don't trust Gary Patterson as far as I think he can put together really good teams that can win nine or ten games, but they always kind of falter. Are you being a prisoner of the moment because TCU's had two down years, but for a long time they were competitive and rising in the Big Twelve? Yeah, because they have had a couple down years, and it's like which Gary Patterson's the real one? That's true. Look here, I you know it's kind of funny because a lot of the stuff that people talk about Gary Patterson. You know, is is how I feel, how you feel about Matt Campbell. It's like people kind of, you know, they're always talking about like he's this legendary defensive coach, this great coach. Look, if, if they, every time the New York Jets or Giants job got open and they're bringing up uh, uh, Gary Patterson, Gary Patterson, then yeah. it's like, okay, <laughs> hold on now. That's my whole thing. That's a good point. Look, all I'm saying is that I just don't trust TCU to, you know, basically since 20. Uh, 14, uh, the, the first year of the college football playoff when they went undefeated, or I think they were one loss, and they, you know, a lot of people thought they should have been in the playoff. Uh, they really haven't been very consistent. They've struggled on, the, you know, for a guy who's made his name in coaching off of like these great 3 3 5 defenses, their defenses haven't been all that great. They give up, I mean, I get that it's the Big 12, they give up a lot of points. I think that they falter, you know, every year they're going to lose to a team they shouldn't. And that can be said about a lot of teams. But my point is that I just don't trust TCU enough to get there because I haven't seen them get to, you know, be in contention for a Big 12 championship game in a while. And But I still, I think that they have the better, you know, they're returning so many players. They have the quarterback in Max Duggan. I do think the defense should be solid this year. And so to me... You know, I can you bring up some odds in the Big Twelve Championship? Would yeah. they, are they ahead of Texas right now? That's, I wonder where they because I would actually have them ahead of Texas, and that's the reason why Texas is my dark horse team. You know, I don't think Texas should win the Big Twelve this year, not in Sark's first year. You know, but they're a true dark horse because we just don't know what Texas is yet. We don't even know who who the quarterback will be. Is it going to be Hudson Carr? Is it going to be Casey Thompson? Right, so what what are you looking for here? Uh, Big 12 uh, title odds is TCU ahead of Texas. Conference winner, Big 12. All right, so Oklahoma, minus 180. Iowa State, plus 290. Texas, plus 750. Oklahoma State, plus 1100. Wow. TCU, 14 to 1. TCU behind Oklahoma State is insane. And this is not like a, like, I'm well, not hold tearing on, down my Oklahoma, team's State, Oklahoma State. 
All right, well, we'll get to that in a second. But I look, I so it's me in the market against Will. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Look, if I, I mean, I think that's the value bet right there is TCU to win the Big Twelve. A Fourteen but, to one. Um, my point about Texas is just we don't know what they are. They could be really good. They could struggle and look like the Texas that we've been used to. You know, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be, they, and they don't have a very easy schedule. Look, their first game is Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, Week One. That's not an easy game. I, you know, maybe in the past that seems like it should be. Louisiana was a very good team last year. They took down Iowa State last year uh, at Iowa State, so that that's a tough one, Week One. And then they go Week Two at Arkansas a team that was, you know, a, not an easy out. I know they were at the bottom of the SEC last year, but they were a really tough physical team. They played good defense. They made it hard on a lot of teams. Those are re- two really tough uh, first two games for a new coach, new new quarterback. Uh, I know they bring a lot of talent back. They have to go at TCU. They have to go at Iowa State. You know, obviously they play Oklahoma every year. Their road is tougher but I do look. What I like about Texas is I love the staff that Sark put together. You know, he pulled some guys from Bama. He gets Pete Kwiatkowski from Washington and from Boise State before that. And for that reason, I could see. I mean, Texas always has the talent. I could see them winning the Big Twelve, but I don't think it's very likely. And that's why they're my dark horse team. Yeah, I told you my dark horse team. Well. I would have also thrown TCU in there. They got a lot of players this year, but uh, we'll mention them. So I'll go to Oklahoma State. And actually, my, the reason I like Oklahoma State this year is because their defense. And it seems like there's a theme. Last year, I liked the, the Cowboys. This year, I like the Cowboys. I just think they're underrated again. Their defense, they're bringing back nine starters. They're bringing back 14 total, nine on the defensive side. And last year, in the Big 12, again, they're bringing back a lot of these guys. They were top three in the, in the Big 12 in these categories. Points per game, uh, yards per game, uh, yards per game, turnovers, sacks by, and conference passing yards. So top three defensively in all those categories. And how often do we break down these Big 12 teams and start with the defense? Right, it rarely right. happens. So my whole thing with Oklahoma State, if Mike Gundy can get that offense rolling, which I'll take the yes this team's going to be a lot better than people think. They've got the defense cemented in. They're not They're not going to give up a lot of points this year, a lot of big plays, a lot of yards. So if the offense can score, which Mike Gundy has shown that he can, can kind of get those young guys performing, again, I think Oklahoma State could surprise a lot of people this year. So. For sure. Smitty, who you got? Does it concern you at all that the mullet's gone? Thank you. You know what? I, I, I downplayed that last week. That is more concerning than I gave it credit <laughs> for. You, you know you that that's a, that's a that's a very <laughs> it's a big non- deal. It is a big deal. Look, it's, it's a, a vibe. It's like a whole thing. You yeah. know that that's the guy that that motivates you. And if he's usually rocking that mullet now, he just looks like your average, you know, high school football coach. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't. It's not a great thing. <laughs> that mullet's so gross. No, <laughs> so it's not gross. an upgrade. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Uh, All right. So um, yeah, I, I I basically have everything that you guys did too. Um, we've got Oklahoma winning it. Um, OU and Iowa State in the game, and then Texas is my dark horse as well. Love it. There we go. Absolutely love it. Okay. Uh, most exciting players that you're you're amped up to watch in the Big Twelve. So Spencer Rattler, obviously Oklahoma, but that's the low hanging fruit so yeah. let's go a couple off the board here uh max duggan you mentioned him tcu big time great quarterback gonna have some stats who's he gonna throw to one quentin johnson mm. so that's gonna be my my quarterback to receiver combo max duggan to quentin johnson watch out for qj love him out of tcu qj qj I'm, new I'm, nickname for exactly. you shout out quentin johnson if you're listening uh, another you're rec- qj another receiver we can't talk some big 12 without getting some kansas jayhawks in there i'm sorry and i really think kwame last and I was talking about the show. <laughs> I don't know what it would have ever taken to, for my parents to name me Kwame. You know, I, I would have loved that. Kwame Walji. 
but uh, Kwame Walji, Kwame Laster, rolls off the tongue. Kwame Laster, good uh, receiver out of Kansas. And if you're in one of these rare college football fantasy leagues, he's going to maybe be the best receiver in the Big Twelve. You talk about garbage time points. Kansas is going to be down down in a lot of games. Kwame Laster is going to be gobbling those yards up. Kwame Walji sounds like a very serious medical condition. <laughs> <Doesn't it? laughs> uh, a couple of running backs here. Uh, Sadarik Thompson, Texas Tech. Um, he's going to have a lot of receiving yards, too, so he can run the ball the backfield and catch. And then a Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. Deuce. Deuce. Love that name. Yeah, exactly. That's such a good name. That's like just a football name. Yeah, for sure. Um, my tight end, to watch, uh, tight end to watch in the uh, Big 12, I'm going to go Iowa State. They've got two of them, uh, Chase Allen and Charlie Kohler. Uh, Studs. Yeah, These definitely. Guys are really good. When they run the two tight end set, watch out. So uh, Big 12, a lot of players to watch, but I like those. Cool. Yeah, you took all of mine except for Brees Hall. <laughs> um, you, you're right, though. I mean, I, I love watching Iowa State just because not a lot of teams play that kind of physical two tight end football very much. And you're right. I mean, uh, Charlie Kolar, Chase Allen, both those guys are going to be NFL studs. And, uh, and I will say, Iowa State's got a really good line this year. So we don't sure. often talk about the linemen. According to Phil Steele's preseason rankings, they've got four linemen on the uh, either first team or second team. Yep. So whew, they're going to be good up front. Yep, but not in contention. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, not in contention. No, not that good. Shout out Phil Steele. That's the College Football Bible. If you're a College Football fan, by the way, like this isn't a sponsored ad. Uh, Phil Steele sponsor us, but uh, <laughs> like you got it. You have to get the College Football Preview every year. I know it's like twenty bucks, but it's basically like a textbook, and it has all the information you could possibly need when it comes to college football. Yeah, it's it's absolutely uh, great. Yeah. Every piece of info in there you need. So are we gonna, you I said that? it was no. I just said it's well worth it. Yeah, no doubt. Ryan gives it two thumbs up. <laughs> so, all right. Special thanks to friend of the show, Bet US. How many of you guys out there like to bet these games? Will and I every week we do our bet board where we're betting against each other. And this season we're going to use lines from Bet US. And uh, if you guys, like I said, if you already have a sports book, that's one thing. I know a lot of you out there may bet with DraftKings or FanDuel, and that's okay. But as a pro better. You need different outs. You need different different uh, places to shop. I mean, would you ever go to one grocery store? Would you ever just go to one car mechanic? If there's a sale somewhere, you want to go to the other store, find the sale. If you have other sports books, you're going to be able to find better prices. And uh, BetUS is my recommendation. Online, BetUS.com. They've got every sport you want, props, futures, and great prices. So make some money online, BetUS.com. And if you put in promo code TAILGATE, that uh, lets them know we sent you, and you get a hundred and twenty-five dollar, a hundred twenty-five percent sign-up bonus. So you go BetUS, uh, put in promo code Tailgate, put in a hundred dollars. Before you know it, you've got two twenty-five in your account. Online BetUS.com promo code Tailgate. Yeah, no doubt. Look, if you guys uh, are fans of the show, you want to help us, support us. You know, use the promo code. Go to BetUS, deposit, bet with them. Like Tyler said, you got the hundred twenty-five percent uh, discount. Here's my advice: What you do, you take that hundred dollars that you deposit. And then you end up with 125 coming back on the bonus. You you bet 125 of it all on Tyler's bets <laughs> and 100 of it on mine. He's a professional better. I still know what I'm talking about. You're you're gonna end up uh, winning some money there. So that, that it, once again, if you guys if you like the show, tell your friends and support us. Go to BetUS. Use the promo code Tailgate. Good stuff, man. I also have our total record for the bet board. Oh, bring yeah. yeah. Let's do so it. So we went. This back. is over the last two years, right? Yeah, we're entering year three for the bet board. That's oh, on my phone. So year one, we it was 15, 14, and two, and then so I haven't actually done the math. So year one it was fifteen, fourteen, and two. 
In favor of Tyler, of course. He's he's the two-time reigning champ. And then uh, last year was 18-15-2. All right, so, so that's pretty close. It is. So total, it's 33-28-2, uh, or excuse me, 33-29-2 uh, heading into this year. Well, you won the first game of the year in the offseason. It was that's Long right. Island against Bryant. Long so you Island. have one. Shout out Long Island. Exactly. So you're 1-0 this year. So you have 30. So it's 33, 30, and uh, four. Four pushes. Yeah. So 33, so once 30, again, and four. So just, you're 30, 33, and four. That's exactly so. why I said put the 125 on Towers bets and the 100 on mine. <laughs> and uh, you'll just come out a winner both ways. That's basic math, yeah, right, Tyler? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, oh, I know, I know I'm throwing in a lot of things here. I have a three-team teaser. Should I give it out at the end of the show? Should I give it out now? You know what I love about this the most? Tower and I just had a a phone call uh, sometime a few days ago, and he was like, Gosh, these college football teasers. He's like, I'm well, not, I'm not supposed to do them, but I just love them so much. And I, here he is getting one out. <laughs> I said, and it's true. When you look historically, and by the way, I uh, whew, I have so much info. I'll have to show you that after the show or something like that. It's ridiculous how much information I have for college football. It's it's obscene. I mean, he's it's the new Phil Steele. so much freaking data. And so I went back and I was searching for... Uh, uh, you know, different outcomes, looking for things. And what you find is college football is such a volatile sport. Yeah, If you absolutely. have a seven-point favorite, wild things happen. They may win by 45. They may lose by 30. In the NFL, if you have a seven-point favorite, it's going to fall right around that seven a lot of the time. For sure. College football is volatile. So when you bet a teaser, and for those who don't know, a teaser is where you buy points. Uh, so you can take a team from minus 10, maybe down to minus four or so, but you have to put multiple teams in there. So it's sort of a parlay where you can buy points for both teams. So what I've found is that during the year, week by week, I don't recommend making teasers at all, but we have a unique opportunity before the season starts because A, we can look at multiple weeks and bet pretty much the entire year right now. And the other thing is, you can pick off really soft lines before they start to move. I'll tell you one thing. my Ohio, The Ohio State game against Michigan, that's in here. Yep. And we've identified Ohio State right now, 10.5 point favorites, favorites against Michigan. That line's probably going to move, right? Yeah. Come game day, <laughs> that may close 17, 18, right? So yeah. not only are we betting early and there's an advantage there, we're getting soft lines. So before the season, there are opportunities where you can make teasers. Do you want to hear it now or should I save it? Yeah. Give us the teaser. All right, let's see. Open. I will show you. Well, I will. Uh, is it on DraftKings? Where is it? Open. While uh, Tyler's looking for that, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call one eight hundred. Hey, uh, I dare it is. You have a gambling problem? Sign up with BetUS. <laughs> you got, exactly. <laughs> All right. Promo code tailgate. Hey, what I always say. I've been making a living doing this since twenty seventeen. Las Vegas has a gambling problem, and its name is Tyler Walgie. Yeah. Yeah. Taking down the house. All right, so, Will, I'm showing you this so you can confirm this is a bet I have placed, a bet I have made, and it is on the books. Okay, so what what he's got here, a three-pick teaser here, right? Yeah, and I'll I'll go through it. But I just wanted to to show the audience. It is real. This was real. It's placed. I made this. It's, in fact, real. All right, so let's go in order here, and I'll make this quick. Uh, Going in order, week one. I teased, and this is a seven-point teaser. It's available as we speak on a BetUS as well as DraftKings. All right, so game number one, week one, September 6th. I've got Ole Miss 
teasing them from minus eight and a half to minus one and a half. They Love play it. Louisville. Love it. Louisville, good last couple of years, very overrated in my opinion coming into this season. They lose a lot. They've got a good coaching staff. Actually, some people picking them to finish second in the in the in the, their division. Hmm. I think Louisville's overrated this year. And on top of that. Ole Miss is one of my more improved teams. And I think through the season, we're really going to see Ole Miss start to get valued more in the market. If this were later on in the year, say four weeks in, I think Ole Miss could move all the way up to a 12, 13-point favorite. No Since it's week one, we got value on this, and we're teasing it down. So all they pretty much have to do is win by more than one. Ole Miss from minus 8.5 to minus 1.5 against Louisville. Game number two, we're going to go to the Holy War, Utah-BYU, September 11th. And uh, you go back and look the last 17 years, Utah's lost this game twice. And you may say, well, Tyler, they're going to Provo. It's on the road. It's going to be a hostile environment. Really? Because the last three times they've gone to Provo, the average score is Utah winning 31-13. They've got no problem going on the road. Utah's better this year. Meanwhile, BYU just lost a ton offensively. Main piece was their quarterback. He's now playing with the Jets. We got one team going up, one team going down, and I get the better coach in a great spot. And we tease them from minus six to plus one. So all they have to do is win the game. Utah against BYU September 11th. Love it. And my final game, I mentioned it, Ohio State. This isn't until November 27th, but uh, I teased them from minus uh, 10.5 to minus 3.5. And and against Michigan, yeah. Against Michigan, thank you. And the really cool thing here, it's a strategy that not a lot of people use, but it's called middling. And what you can do is I think I'm going to be in a really good spot this game if Ole Miss and Utah cover, because come game day, I, I look back the last couple of years this game, Ohio State's been at least a 20-point favorite the last several seasons. I mean, it's been 20, 21, 22. Uh, There was one year where that wasn't true. Okay, but it's been around 20. It's Mm -hmm. been up there. So my point is, it's currently 10.5, Ohio State minus 10.5. I think this could move to 17 or 18 by game day. I know that's a big move, but let's say it goes to 17, okay? Well, what you can then do is take Michigan plus 17. Yep. And now you have a ticket in your pocket for Ohio State minus three and a half, and then Michigan plus 17. And I think that's so conservative. I think you can get over 17. But the idea is, now if Ohio State wins anywhere between four and 17, you win both bets. And if they if one wins, one loses, you only lose a very small amount. Yeah, so. you would only lose in that case if... if uh or no, you, you, could, you, you couldn't lose because even if Michigan wins, you got them plus 17, right? Exactly, exactly. So you have Michigan on that way too. So in, in there, it's effectively risking 5% to win you know, 100% of your winnings. So yeah. it's always... Uh, and look, not to get too complex with the whole betting thing, but this happens during the year, just not this big of a move. You, know, you may see a team minus nine, and then it'll close their minus 13, you can still middle that, right? You have a one team minus nine, the other team plus 13, and if the game lands on 10, 11, or 12, you now win both bets. And someone may say, why would you make that bet if you know you're probably going to win one and lose one? Well, it's because it's worth the risk over the long run. If you're, if, you're bet, if you're $100 better, and you're betting because it's minus 110, right? Yep. You bet 110 to win 100. If you have 110 to win 100 on one team, and 110 to win 100 on another team, more times than not, you'll lose $10, right? You'll win one bet, lose the other. But those magical times where it lands in the middle, now you've won $200. So theoretically, you can do this whole middling thing, and as long as you win or middle one out of 20 bets, you're winning money. Yeah, for sure. And you're right, especially in the, the, you know, before the season starts, that's the best time to take advantage of something like that. I mean, think about last year, 
if you had taken, um, I wonder what the line was preseason for the Alabama LSU game. That's a great and point. Then, and then we saw LSU just have a horrible year. By the time that game kicked off, I think Alabama was like a 13, 14 point favorite. It, yep. Um, and so, you know, you could, there's a lot of value to be had there if you think that you know where the line is going to move, of course. Exactly. That's the big thing. You know, you got to pr- predict that. But uh, I know we got in a little bit in the weeds there. But for those who do enjoy the sports betting and sports, uh, you know, gambling that's a little uh, piece of advice there for you yeah for sure love it all right we're moving on to the pac-12 preview uh tyler why don't you go first all right pac-12 i have winning the pac-12 washington and i think this is going to be one of the breakout teams in the country this year and i'll admit it this is also one of phil steams one of phil Steele's uh phil Steele's breakout teams but i want to be clear that i don't get all my info from phil Steele. It's one thing, though, when we both agree heavily on something, and this is certainly that. I mean, I've had Washington as this team for a very long time. They're bringing back a lot, 18 starters, to be exact. And they have the talent. I mean, go back and look at their last couple of recruiting classes. They've gotten five stars. They've gotten the right guys in there. They can win. They've got a schedule this year, which isn't necessarily favorable, but if they win some of their tougher games, like at Michigan early on, they're going to forge their way into the national spotlight. And as long as they win those bigger games in the Pac-12, I think Washington, let's put it this way. If there's a team from the Pac-12 who is a college contender for the championship, it's Washington, not USC. So I've got the Huskies winning it. And I think they will play in the Pac-12 championship, USC. I think it'll come down to those two, but I think the Huskies are the superior team this year. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I'm taking, my championship game is going to feature Southern Cal versus Oregon. Now, look, Tyler said a lot of things that are very true about Washington, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you Washington is going to be bad. I don't think that's the case at all. You know, they have a huge offensive line coming back, a really good run game, a a solid defense, but I'm afraid that this is the year that we start to see the effects of losing Chris Peterson. You know, we don't really know what Jimmy Lake is capable of as a, as a head coach for a full season. We only saw him last year for four games, and all of those games were at home. They haven't played a true road game in two years now. Going, I mean, going on two years. You know, I think that the Pac-12 North is going to come down to the head-to-head matchup between Oregon and Washington. You know, and you look at the games leading up to that. Oregon plays at UCLA and then at home versus Colorado before they travel to Seattle. The game is in Seattle for that matchup. Washington, though, they go at Arizona – then at Stanford, and Stanford's coming off a bye. Stanford was the only loss for Washington last year. They're a team that's capable of, of beating them. You know, I think that Washington could be beat up heading into that matchup against a Ducks team that, frankly, just has more talent. You know, look, Washington has recruited well. Oregon has recruited uh, like gangbusters since Mario Cristobal got there. You know, I like Anthony Brown, the quarterback, more than I like Dylan Morris. I think Oregon especially has has the edge at skill positions. C.J. Verdell at running back. They're loaded at wide receiver. I really like the the coaching staff at Oregon. Joe Moorhead, you know, as the offensive coordinator, what he can do with that type of talent on offense. And their new defensive coordinator, Tim DeRuiter. I think I'm saying that right. It might be DeRuiter. Um, he comes over from Cal. So uh, Andy Avalos, the previous defensive coordinator at uh, Oregon, he takes the job at Boise State. They hire this guy, Tim DeRuiter, from Cal. Now, Cal... Hasn't been like a top 25 program, but since Tim DeRoyter has been the defensive coordinator there, they've had one of the best defenses in the Pac-12. So, you know, I think that this is the year where, you know, typically Washington is a team that's better coached, more disciplined, and Oregon has better talent and can't kind of put it together. I think this is the year Oregon puts it together. I know they have a tougher schedule. I like them coming out of the north and beating uh, Washington, and then I'm taking Southern Cal out of the south. Similar to Oregon, 
so much talent, and I do think that this is the year that they kind of put it together with more consistency. I think they have a better offensive line this year. It will actually allow them to run the ball, take a little pressure off the passing game. And you look at the Southern Cal schedule. I mean, it, it's, it really breaks down nicely. They don't have to play Oregon. They don't have to play Washington. They only have five road games, one of which is non-conference Notre Dame. They're, you look at their Pac-12 road games, it's Washington State, Colorado, Arizona State, and Cal. Um, you know, they get Utah, UCLA, and Stanford at home. Keaton Slovis, I think, just gets more consistent. I don't think he needs the miracle comebacks that he had last year in order to win um, so, you know, for me, I think it will come down to Southern Cal and Oregon, just like it did last year. My dark horse is Stanford. I like Stanford Ooh. a lot this year. They're six deep at running back. They're getting back to their three receiver sets. David Shaw has been adamant, adamant about this in the off season. And, uh, when Stanford has hosted both Oregon and Washington, they've either won or split their division every single time. Okay, and, and this yeah, is since impressive. the Pac-12 has been reformed. So the schedule really favorable for Stanford. David Shaw, it's so funny what a prisoner of the moment college football fans are. And I don't blame them necessarily because that's how the sport works. It's very fast moving. But I think certain coaches and certain programs like David Shaw can sort of go behind the radar or under the radar. And then suddenly, to those not paying attention to the Pac-12, it seems like out of nowhere they're winning games. They've been building it up for a while. Last two years, they've thrown the most in David Shaw's career. Yep. Again, he's been adamant about getting back to the running game, power rushing attack, and once again, they have six running backs who are all going to get the ball. So I love Stanford, and you talk about surprising people. This isn't... You know, they're, they're necessarily absolutely going to win the Pac-12, but if there's one dark horse who's going to surprise everyone, it will be Stanford. Interesting, interesting. My, okay, so my dark horse, to me, I don't see a dark horse coming out of the north. I think the north will be either Oregon or Washington. My dark horse is out of the south, and it's UCLA. You know, um, uh, Chip? I, yeah, Chip Kelly. Look, you know, they were a tough team last year. They had a lot of close losses. The defense was really struggling, but they're kind of starting to get it together. The offense is starting to look more like a Chip Kelly offense. You know, I think Arizona State is going to run into some major problems with this NCAA investigation that will negatively affect their football program. I do like Colorado as well, the Buffaloes, but I just think that if there is a team that is going to, you know, maybe come out of nowhere, a lot of people suspect Utah coming out of this, the South as well, and so that's why they're not a dark horse team for me. But I think that. If we're looking at the end of the season, we're saying, wow, I can't believe this team made it to the Pac-12 championship game. I think it's UCLA. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be good. They open up the season with LSU, and depending on what happens the next couple of weeks, we may forge a bet board game in there. I hope we do. Yes. Smitty, what do you got? Yeah, so um, I actually, your dark horse is my Pac-12 champion, um, UCLA. Wow, love it. Oh. I have UCLA versus Oregon. When did Skip Oregon. Bayless start hosting the show or start uh, <laughs> producing the show? I love um, it. So I uh, got UCLA uh, beating Oregon in the championship, and... Uh, Will, you mentioned close losses, and their four losses last year was by a combined 15 points. Wow. Um, and not only that, but they're returning 19 starters. They're returning almost their entire team. So Yeah. Um, and then I had a tough time um, with my dark horse, um, but I went with Arizona State. But, again, that's kind of – TBD. <laughs> it's kind of up in the Maybe air a little classy. bit. What about the Buffs, though? What about your guys, the Colorado Buffaloes? Yeah, I – I like to temper my expectations on my team, quote unquote, my teams. Um, okay. 
You, we, we don't we still don't know who's going to be starting a quarterback um i think offensively they're going to be pretty good young receiving core though and they lost their best receiver yeah but uh return, he transferred to usc returning a lot of uh their uh offensive linemen also um i believe their starting right tackle went down but um also really interested with uh um you know their defense with nate lamon carson wells jack lamb their linebacking core is probably one of the best in the country so they were a surprise um, last year i mean they were yeah. they were a really competitive team for sure um uh, but yeah we'll, we'll we'll see how uh the old buffaloes do okay cool um i'll go through some of my most exciting players to watch for the pac-12 number one Jarek broussard the running back from from colorado i mean he had a huge year in, in just four games right last year uh, i think he was averaging almost like 200 yards per game it was yeah, it was crazy. insane I mean, putting up Heisman level he's had two numbers ACL if he had a full season. Yeah, that's ins- I mean, yeah. that doesn't bode super well maybe for my production <laughs> prediction. But I love Jarek Broussard. Uh, Keaton Slovis, quarterback at, at uh, Southern Cal. Kayvon uh, Thibodeau. Now, he's an edge rusher out of Oregon. A lot of people are projecting maybe being a top pick in the NFL draft. Guy's an absolute freak. And then Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I mentioned UCLA. He's the, the dual-threat quarterback there. Really exciting guy to watch. A ton of talent. And I think that UCLA offense is just going to be putting up a ton of points. Hey, quarterback, uh, how about uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, UCLA? If your prediction is going to come true with them having a nice season. I yeah, literally just said that. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Dude, I'm going through all mine. Who else did you say? Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Jarek Broussard, Keaton Slovis, Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay, so Jaden Daniels, Arizona State. Absolutely. I think he's going to have a good season. Um, God, I can't believe you went Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yeah, DTR, I thought, bro. I he's on my list. No, he's my guy. <laughs> That's my dark horse. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Kate Otten, Washington. Again, he's going to be oh, part yeah, of that tight offense. End. Yeah, tight Stunt. end, Kate Otten. Um, Drake London, little bit Drake London, USC Rece- receiver. Oh, receiver, yeah, yeah. For sure. Keaton Slovis got to have somebody to throw to Drake London out there on uh, the outside. Going to be and look, USC. Like I said, they're they're going to be deep this year, and I will put uh, Ryan Helmy, the transfer uh, out of CU, who went there this year. Uh, their best receiver last year, KD Nixon. KD Nixon. So not a lot of people know about him because he went to Colorado, but uh, that's the kind of guy who is going to fill in really nice for them slot receivers. So watch Katie Nixon as well. Yeah. Uh, that offense de- bodes well for receivers too. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, Oregon defensively. Yep. I mean, they've got some really good defensive back, Verone McKinley and Mikhail Wright, uh, two safeties for Oregon who are going to be lethal this year. So for I sure. had to mention them because, look, I think a lot's going to come down to Washington and Oregon playing each other. And yep. if, if Oregon's defense shows up, you know, it's going to be a good game. So sorry, Will, about that. Taking, yeah, that's uh, okay. DTR. Hey, that's honestly both, happened a couple times. Fans. That's happened a couple times before where I just zone out and I'm just in my own world over here. <laughs> and then Will's like, so Tyler and... Who's your guy? No, whatever. I mean, look, he—he's a super exciting guy to watch, and so it's no surprise he's on both our lists. But you so. know, he—he he is a super exciting guy to watch, and no surprise he's on both <laughs> of our lists. <laughs> All right, moving on, Tyler. We're well, gonna have a little discussion here on oh your. No, these are Tyler's top twenty-five coaches in college football. Now we did this last year. You made a list. You tweeted it out. You know, we had some arguments about it, but mm-hmm. there's something different about how you put it together this year. Yeah, last year it was. Uh, that that was more Skip Bayless. That <laughs> <laughs> Full hot take. Well, I mean, I get emotional. You guys know this about me. <laughs> no. And uh, I made that list last year based on my emotions. I was hot going into the list. I was hot coming out of it. Yeah. So you this feel year, stuff. Exactly. So this year, I tightened it up. I actually made a little uh, a little formula to determine my coach rankings. Okay. And my criteria, actually in this order, is against the spread results because... You can't just look at wins and losses, okay? Ryan Day 
is what, 24 and 2 or something like that, maybe a little bit better with Ohio State, but he's expected to win a lot of those games. The the spread or the line is the great equalizer. So how you're doing or, or the expectation. If Alabama is minus 20 against Colorado and they win on a last second field goal, it's do not, you give them good, credit yeah. for winning the game or do you take away credit because they're a 20-point favorite? In my opinion, you take credit away. You don't reward wins. You get in real trouble if you do that. So the first thing is against the spread results. How are you doing compared to expectation? The second is, how is your recruiting? I think recruiting is an integral part of being a head coach. So I used a combination of 247 sports and rivals. I used a blend and said, how good have you been in your career doing this? I also used a tier system to where the more recent in their career mm. is weighted more heavily. So for a Mac Brown who had national championship years at Texas, those are considered, but not as heavily as his years with UNC. Um, I looked at how do coaches do with a full roster, 100% healthy, and how do they do with a banged up roster and not playing with all their starters? That's a difference. I looked at the home versus road consistency. And then last, I did incorporate wins and losses because you can't ignore those. Of course. So based on that criteria, we're not going to go every coach. If you guys want to look at the full list, uh, give us a follow on Twitter at CFB underscore pod, and we'll post it up there. Let me actually go ahead. Did I email? I I, uh, text you guys the list. All right. So let's just go uh, my top 10. And then how about you guys bring up anyone outside the top 10 who you think is interesting? Okay. Number 10, I've got Mike Gundy. And also on these lists, you'll see there's a score by this, right? So it's not just, oh, he's 10, he should be 12. Well, you'll see a lot of coaches are close together. And if you make a slight adjustment, there's a huge jump in the rankings. So it's appropriate to put their actual rankings on here. And my number one coach every year is going to be 100. And he sets the scale. So Nick Saban's 100. So... Uh, number 10, Mike Gundy. Number 9, Kyle Whittingham. Number 8, Dan Mullen. Number 7, Kirby Smart. Number 6, Jimbo Fisher. Number 5, Brian Kelly. Number 4, Ryan Day. Number 3, Lincoln Riley. Number 2, Dabo Sweeney. Number 1, Nick Saban. Hmm. Yeah, any problems with the top 10? Any issues? You want to fight me over anything, Will? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's not like... It, I, I don't think that Mike Gundy is a top 10 coach in college football. Um, I would be interested to know who are some of the guys right behind him on your list. So uh, Herm Edwards, 11, Mac Brown, 12, Pat Fitzgerald, 13. And, and what's interesting about me doing this unobjectively is I get surprised sometimes. I put in the formula, I put in all the parameters, and it spits out, and I go, huh, I, Pat Fitzgerald's a lot higher than I'd have him. But I think it's because of the expectation. I mean, for sure. In the way I like to look at it or think about it is if – uh, Pat Fitzgerald were at a school a little bit above Northwestern, but played the same style, like a Wisconsin, would he be having success? I think the answer is overwhelmingly yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, what do you think? If Pat Fitzgerald was at Wisconsin... Oh, yeah. No, that, that's a, that's, that, I'm glad that you put a guy like Kyle Whittingham in your top 10, too, because like those are just extremely difficult places to win, which makes it that much right. harder. Uh, uh, Paul... Uh Paul I want to Christ. call him Paul Christ. But Paul yeah, Christ. Paul Christ. By the way, I was thinking of something funny. The Holy War is Utah-BYU. If one of those schools was Christian and the other was Mormon, it could be the Joseph versus Jesus. I mean, that basically is... <laughs> that's why they call it the Holy War, I thought, because BYU is the Mormon school, and I'm sure Utah is... Uh, see, is, I didn't know that. It's primarily Mormon just because it's in Salt Lake City, but uh, it's, see, not, it it's not like too. a... No, so, I, I I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm sure Utah is overwhelmingly Mormon. That's what I thought. I thought they were both kind of Mormon too. schools, but um, I know BYU's all But if it is a Christian school or like something like that, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be fun? 
Joseph versus Jesus. Yeah, we call it the, like the jihad. <laughs> <laughs> the great jihad game. Exactly. Um, let, let's get to the great Matt Campbell. The amazing Matt Campbell who can do no wrong. Uh, Matt Campbell is ranked 17th in my rankings. Okay. Just ahead I can of, accept that. Just ahead of Kirk Ferentz, just behind Jim Harbaugh. But also, he's ranked in 90.3. And, I mean, look, if he goes up two one-hundredths of a point, then he's suddenly you know number 14 on this list just behind uh, Pat Fitzgerald. So, mm. you know, Matt Campbell... Right there, seventeenth. I thought. I think that's extremely fair. Yeah. Right? Look for sure. I, I I would never. You know. I don't think that he's a top ten coach. I think that the main thing with why you know it annoys you that he's always being thrown out in every coaching hire thing is because most of the guys that are on that list above him are not gettable coaches. Like you know, obviously when a, a Jets coaching job or a coaching job at Tennessee opens up, Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, Ryan Day, those guys are not even remotely gettable for those schools. Right. So the reason why Matt Campbell is because he's in that category of guys where you think, You're well, right. maybe he doesn't want to stay he at Iowa State. He fits into the description of coaches who have recently been hired into the NFL. I mean, look at the Arizona Cardinals yes. head coach, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, right? I think he's. I think he did better than Cliff Kingsbury did in the Big 12. Oh, for sure. For but that's sort of the, yes. the, the model now. Smaller this young, offensive-minded sort of coach who can, you know. So, look, I think he does fit that mold. But, yeah, 17th and... Uh, what I want to know is your boy Jim Harbaugh, sixteenth on the list. This is a big year for Jimmy. Yeah, a very big year. Look, yeah. I, you know, I think that's uh, everyone either hates Jim Harbaugh or you're a Michigan fan. That's basically the way it goes. Or there's even a uh, you know a Venn diagram section where those are overlapping for sure. But um, you know, everyone hates him because he's you know the stuff he says and he can be childish and all that stuff. And I would never disagree with that. But I think it's probably a fair assessment for where he ranks you know there's it's a fine line between saying he's the what do you have him 17th yeah between 17th Matt and Campbell? or no Jim Harbaugh 16th 16th you know the difference between the 16th best head coach and the 20th where someone else might you know object is not a huge difference exactly I think he's in that pack for sure uh, and then this is also uh, kind of newsworthy and this is the last one I'll point out Number 30th on my list. You know, he's 30th on here. We only went up to 30. Obviously, there's 130 coaches. Mike Leach. Uh, it's Brian Harson, mm. And Brian Harson is a mm. is really interesting. Going from Boise to Auburn, remember, a lot of Auburn fans didn't love that hire. They're going, the hell are we doing? Picking this guy up from Boise? They don't know football up there. Like, what 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 is this? Potatoes. That's what they Potatoes. know. Potatoes. <laughs> exactly. Um, but watch out. You know, Brian Harson's a good coach. If they buy into what he's doing, I mean, you talk about talent. We talked about Sarkeesian with that Texas talent. He could suddenly win a lot of games and we're, and we're hmm. surprised on how good Auburn is this year. I think so. I'm on the other side of that argument when it comes to him. Why? Uh, because he inherited a really successful Boise State program where even though, yeah, they're not getting Auburn level, level talent, they're getting they're getting that level of talent for what they're, you know, for the Mountain West. They're they're probably going to get the best talent in the Mountain West every year. And to me, if you're the the uh, the coach that should get a job in the super difficult SEC West, you should be dominating the Mountain West. And I know that he was in, you know, they were losing two and three games every year. Whereas I feel like you look at guys like Chris Peterson and other guys that were more successful there is they were barely losing games every year. And not to say that he's a bad coach, but I don't think it ends well for him in Auburn. I don't think he's going to have a lot of success there. Really? Yeah, that's okay. my personal opinion. Okay. How can no, we bet on nothing this? Nothing against the guy. <laughs> is there a win total? Do you need me to I think he's gone. number again? Yeah, exactly. I think he's... We could... If, no, if, but Ryan, this is how we back up our opinions, right? Yeah, if, you, sure. if you have a strong money. opinion... Yeah, exactly. If, it's, <laughs> if you have a strong opinion, you're not willing to I back mean, it look, up with a bet. There's a bet that we made at, in the preseason last year. I don't know if you remember this, Tower, but I bet in the preseason last year 
that Ryan Day would win a national championship at Ohio State. Oh, in three years. In three years. Yes. And he went to one right then. He didn't win it yet. But like these are bets that I'm totally willing to track. And I would also bet that Brian Harson is not the head coach at Alabama three years from today. Whoa, whoa. I think I oh, think Oh the phone basil. I think after three years he is gone. That's that's my bet. I don't think he'll do very well there. You, so you got a bet board. I'll remember it. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Let's well, do it. Bet well, board. We'll, we'll, we'll put it somewhere. Where we we can, need to start uh, bookmarking these things so we don't lose them. Because three years from now, who even knows what's where our brains are going to be? What would you like to bet on it? It's on the board. Okay. Yeah, and we'll, we'll put He's it up gone in, in three. We'll years. just have to spray paint it on the wall <laughs> so it doesn't go. Anywhere. By, by the way, that means is after he he has three years. He's but got, no more. He's not. He's he will got. Not, he will not coach. Twenty twenty one. 2022 and 2023. Yeah, he will not coach a fourth season in Auburn, and it maybe it's even sooner than that. Um, all right, it's hot. We're getting to the real nitty gritty <laughs> here, the end of the show, and what now is it's the playoff four. We mentioned this before. As of now, we only have a fourteen playoff. We should have got football. some Barry White ready for Will sensual. No, four. this is not a sexual <laughs> thing. Okay, you're gonna understand once you once you hear my list and some of my honorable mentions. Um, <laughs> So what this is, is the most satisfying feelings on earth. Now, look, that could mean anything. It could be if you're a golfer, it's sinking like a 20-foot Excluding putt. sex and drugs. Yes, excluding sex and drugs. We're not getting into any of that disgusting nonsense. Well, there goes my list. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Smitty's a pervert. Um, and so, you know, it could be anything. It could be, you know, uh, you play cards and you win a hand at poker, whatever it is. And so this is... boring life that would be. To, that's your top four. Now, in 2024, 2025, we met this... A segment may have to become a 12-team thing now that the playoff is expanding. But for now, all we have is four teams in the college football playoff. So I'm giving my four here. Now, ranking these is really difficult, I got to say. But here's, here's my you four. You have to rank them. It's part of it. You have to come in with four This was one. hard, okay? And I'm going to give you uh, four through one. Number four is, and this is very specific, but it's, let's say you got like a two or three drink buzz going. It's late at night. An outdoor piss, like you're, 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 you walk <laughs> your dog, you walk your dog, and your dog's peeing, and you pee with them. There's something about like that sweet spot, at, like two to three drinks, and you pee outside as What's a guy. What's wrong with going in the house? No, there's nothing wrong with it. It just there's something about it that feels better. Now, look, maybe you don't agree. I guarantee some of my listeners are going to be like, "Yes, that feeling of like pissing outdoors as a guy is just great." You know, you don't have to flush. There's no, you just you, you know, you pee in a. There bush. is something about having an not flush, but top four. Top four. I love that feeling. It's just because Will's a good boy and good boys go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, right. Will's used to... Yeah. I, think, I think Will needs an outhouse. <laughs> I would love... Well, no, only for number one. <laughs> and the outhouse is just like a bush. You don't need an outhouse. I, I actually have a great idea. Indoor outhouses. Yeah. Dang. It's called a bathroom. Oh, hmm. He beat you to it. <laughs> okay. Shark Tank, he is out. Uh, that's number four. <laughs> number three is... Winning the last leg of a parlay, but it has to be like three, four games or more. Like a long odds parlay. When you when that last leg hits, oh man, that's an incredible feeling. You know, you've been waiting all day, perhaps. You hit the first two or three games. Now that last one is on the line, it's close. It absolutely, it's just pure ecstasy when you win a, a, a parlay like that. Yeah. Number two. I don't often make parlays, but hey. Yeah. That's because you're a professional there you go. <laughs> The rest of the amateurs like us love our parlays. Number two is... Putting on chapstick when your lips are super chapped. <laughs> See, this I'm going to have to rebut. What? Because I heard... When your lips are chapped, you don't want to put chapstick on? No, I heard that if you use chapstick too much, your lips become reliant on it. Okay, that's... And you stop producing your own natural lip oils. That's true, but th that's, a, that's a caveat that doesn't <laughs> apply for me, is that if you're using it like... If you're putting it on every 30 minutes, yeah, you're going to have a problem. Uh -huh. 
But like, let's say you like, sometimes I'll forget my chapstick at home and I'm at work all day and I don't have it. And all of a sudden I'm like, shit, this is awful. My lips feel so dry and chapped. And then when I get home and I finally put the chapstick on, amazing feeling. I mean, just, just lifts your soul, you know? I'm not going to go anywhere with the moist lips jokes. Mm. You're... You're low on lip oils. I know. <laughs> Officially not making the jokes. So, um, so quick, same thing though with, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Quick question for both of you. Have yeah. either one of you ever used an entire tube of chapstick? Oh, yeah. From beginning I, I, to end, I'm like really? a chapstick addict. I no. do it all the time. No, I, don't, like, I don't lose them. I keep them on me. For me, it's like a pen. I know I'm going to lose before it's a, it's <laughs> used. I use them down to the nitty gritty, homeboy. Uh, smoke it till the Will pod. does that though. Will's very, uh, <laughs> Will's efficient with his things. Mm, that most I mean, definitely. you still got a PS2 or a PS or uh, Xbox 360. Just to play NCAA football. How dare you? Peas yeah. outside. Um, it's grassroots, man. <laughs> number one, I am. I'm old school. Number one, you wake up in the middle of the night. It's like two o'clock oh, in the morning, two a.m., and you're just dying of thirst, and you just slam a pint glass of ice cold water. Oh, it's amazing. It's such a satisfying feeling. That's yeah, my top four. Um, and I think I just stole that from Smitty, judging by his reaction. You took two of mine. Oh, no God. way! How do you guys have two? This <laughs> literally could have been anything. Yeah, exactly. And you guys have two That's of the same. All right, give me, your, give me your four, Tyler. Well, I have my first three out as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so should I save those and give them at the yeah, end? Yeah, give us for... just the four, four through one. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, number four is winning any kind of competitive event. You know we will. Yep. Uh, whether it's a sports event, a video game, round of golf, I like uh, I like the feeling at the end of getting the getting the dub. Charlie Sheen. Yes. Anything walking away from uh, getting the <laughs> dub. Tiger, Tiger Blood. Winning exactly. Uh, number three. I'm a professional sports better. Getting a handicap right. And just so you know, for all the kids out there, this is not synonymous with winning a bet. You can lose a bet where the handicap is right. But I put in so much work during the week that when you accurately forecast how a game's going to go, you feel good about it. And it's 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 uh, it's reconfirming or confirming my process. So nothing better than getting a handicap right. That feels very good. <laughs> Number two. I know, right? This is so me. Number two, <laughs> a Buffalo's dub. I seriously could be having the worst week oh, ever. Oh, Colorado. Yeah, right. Okay. Sorry, I'm yeah. using I was slang like, huh? here for the kids. Yeah, I, I see you, Buffalo's football yeah, victory. Yeah. yeah. I could be having the shittiest week. I could have lost a client. I could be doing bad on my picks. But if CU wins, I'm not even kidding. It brightens up for several days. My Pure week, joy. My weekend turns around. I'm happier. I, 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 there's almost nothing better than CU getting a win. Great I pick. love it. Uh, number one, I know this is going to sound so like cheesy and whatever and don't say like, hugging your mom dude, say it's, hugging it's your mom. kind of along that line but i but i was being on, i was being honest with this it's uh it's seeing my girlfriend ally and my dog layla it's seeing them at a blissful point seeing them really happy right nothing makes me happier than just seeing them happy because i kind of feel like you know then i can relax i can breathe a little bit i can you know i, I love seeing them happy whether it you know ally's happy doing something but whether it's layla like rolling in the grass playing in the waters yeah. just Laying out, looking out the window. I love seeing them happy doing their thing. Wholesome. So. Very wholesome. Yeah, so that's my top four. All right, Smitty, you're four. All right. Um, you so had to adjust a couple because I stole. Which ones did I steal? <laughs> You'll see. Oh, sorry. <laughs> still going top four. All right. Uh, number four, I've got um, after you're done mowing the lawn, the nice concentric lines. Oh, yeah. A yeah. fresh cut. A fresh cut. Absolutely. Ryan, Ryan should, uh, I've always thought this. Ryan should either be a professional grillsman, like a professional like barbecuer if they exist, or they maybe do. a chef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he should work like a, like, a, like a baseball stadium grounds crew. Oh, know? yeah. I think Ryan would be good at that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't think you would? I think you'd like be I'd, in detail I'd, with the outfield. I'd love to be, uh, you know, a grill master, but I'm not much of a landscaper. Uh, maybe mm. not. So yeah. okay. you should see all the flowers that are dead at my house. Right <laughs> all right, number three. Um, you know when you get like a new phone or a new TV and it's got that plastic film? Oh, oh wow. Pick. That's Great a really pick. good pick. Peeling it. Yeah. Peeling that thing off. Even though I try satisfying. to wait as long it's as possible. Such a good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, number two um, was peeing at a sports a sporting event or a concert. <laughs> oh, God. You too. <laughs> well, dude, you're tailgating all day. Just drinking beer most of the time. Just peeing feels good, too, by the way. You're relieving yourself. <laughs> That's true. But when you're, you know, eight, nine, ten beers deep. Yep. Eight, nine, ten. <laughs> it's like the Always Sunny where, where Charlie shows up with a 24-pack. He's like, well, this is for me and Mac. That's 24 beers. Like, yeah, 12 for me, 12 for Mac. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then number one was ice cold water in the middle of the night. Oh, wow. Love it. That's mm. both of our number ones. I, know. I absolutely love it. All right, uh, uh, rapid fire, oh. some of our uh, honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. Yes, um, when the perfect song comes on on the car, when you're in a, a yeah. questionable mood, and then the playlist just dials up yeah. the home run song, it's like, okay, That's a good one. okay. That's a good one. Um, uh, you guys know I, I'm a data scientist. Getting yes. a code right, right? Because this mm. is what I do with my job for sports. Dude, writing code takes so long. A lot of my professors were did this like like as weatherman or stuff like that. And 75% of the job is checking your errors, looking up on Google, how do I code this, this. When you finally get one right and you can run the whole sheet flawlessly, I'm telling you, man, that that's Nerd alert. one of the best <laughs> feelings, seriously. And then the last one, I know you guys are going to relate with this. When you get that perfect medium rare on the steak. Because oh, there's yeah. always a moment Most of anticipation. Definitely. Because... If you cooked a steak before, you know, you don't cook it and eat it right off the grill. You let a steak sit for about five or ten minutes so the juices get reabsorbed into the steak. Yep. Key tip out there, and Ryan's our tailgate guy. You can confirm this for me. If you cut a steak immediately off the grill to see how it's how it's cooked, you'll lose the juices. And so you'll have, even if it's per- cooked perfect, you'll now have a more dry, medium-rare steak. So in that 10, 15 minutes from when it's cooked when you eat it, it's a huge moment of anticipation when you cut it open and you see it's a perfect medium rare. It's like all oh, money. Let's so, go. Uh, so I I heard a rule of thumb that for however long you cook the steak, cut that time in half, and that's how long you're supposed to let it sit. Boom! It's our tailgate guy. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love you it. You got right. some honorable mentions? Yeah, I got some. Uh, first sip of coffee in the morning. First sip of coffee in the morning Ooh. is a good one. Okay. Now you know, I did er- read online that your cortisol levels aren't ready to drink coffee until about two hours after you wake up. That's do you give absurd. it that time? Yeah, no, I do not give it that well, you're time. Well, gonna, you're going to mess with your cortisol. Well, your I don't natural, care. Your I natural cortisol production. Up, you're drinking coffee right now. Well, but I've been up for a while. I've been up for a while. For yeah. <laughs> I probably have my first sip of coffee. I, I mean, on the weekends, it's a little different. On, on work days, I'm probably... When do you wake up on a work day? Uh, 7.30. When's your first sip of coffee? 8.15 at the latest. Dude, you're doing your body a disservice. Your cortisol Absolutely levels not, are going to be fucked dude, up. Dude, I'm a zombie before I have my first sip of coffee. <laughs> but that's I have because to have you've it. gotten yourself ready for that to where your body anticipates. It's the same thing with a chapstick. I don't your think body there's now any says science that the proves cha- that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my another one was... Uh, and these are a lot of these are morning things. You walk out, it's really bright, and like your eyes are squinting because your your pupils haven't adjusted. And you throw on the sunglasses. That feeling where like everything just all of a sudden you can open up your eyes. Mm. Great feeling. And uh, last one, last one is this is also particular. But let's say you're on vacation. You're at a place. It's like at a on a beach or a resort that has a water feature 
and you're hungover, right? You've been drinking, you know, the day before because it's vacation. And for whatever reason, being hungover, when you get into like cool water, it like helps. It feels so much better. Maybe that's really particular to me, but I love like diving into like a cold lake or ocean or pool when I'm hungover because I feel like it in- instantly makes me feel better. Yeah, I'm not a big water guy. Hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> not at Indoor all. cat. Exactly. I actually just thought of one more we can add. Yeah. Uh, when you're making s'mores outside and you get the perfectly roasted marshmallow. What, what's your perfectly roasted marshmallow? So though? it's got to be uh, burnt, but not too burnt. Like there's a really fine line before it gets too crispy or mm. too burnt. So I like it, you know, a little black, a little char to it, nice and soft and melted. But if it catches fire or it gets too burnt, it can go quickly. So interesting. That's um, a good one. It's like bacon in the oven. If you if you're with someone who puts bacon in the oven. There's like Only a way to cook bacon. There's like oh, a I'm, you're crazy. There's no. like a three minute gap between perfectly cooked and overcooked or undercooked. It's a very fine line in there. So uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's just taking a weird turn today. But yeah, the perfectly <laughs> roasted marshmallow. All right. Well, <laughs> aren't you glad we did that then? Yeah, I am. It was a great Definitely. list. Definitely. Yeah. It's that, uh, very satisfying. Well, uh, that I liked Ryan's peeling the film off. Yeah, that's such a good one. Yeah, I can't sure. believe I overlooked that. Uh, that's That's it for the show. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at CFB underscore pod. Subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. Tell your friends. Like, like I said before, you want to help the show, help spread the show. Tell your friends. We'll be here next week on Tuesday. See you then.